0: I, Eddard, of the House Stark, Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North, sentence you to die. I saw what I saw. I saw the White Walkers. You understand why I did it? He was a deserter. The man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Is it true he saw the White Walkers? Madman sees what he sees. Lord Eddard Stark, I would name you the Hand of the King. I have no choice. That's what you tell your family. Tell yourselves. That's what men always say when honor calls. You do have a choice, and you've made it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Whether you need photography, videography, drone photography, web design, podcast support, or technical support, EliasRoushMedia.com has you covered. Today we are discussing Game of Thrones Season 1 Wrap-Up. I'll tell you straight up right now, this is probably the third or fourth time I've seen Season 1 of Game of Thrones, and... I just had to get my initial thoughts out on an audio review. I seen all the seasons, maybe two to three times, and I've never written anything down. I've never even thought about it. This was before I was even podcasting, but I wanted to get everything, you know, all of my initial thoughts about what I thought about the first season, just in some sort of audio form so that we could have it, or I could have it for myself at least. Maybe some of y'all might find it. Um, easy to um comprehend after watching the first season but maybe if you haven't seen the first game of thrones season maybe uh I could give you some a few pointers on why you maybe should or shouldn't watch the show so let's discuss season 1 without spoilers and so this is a good section for people that have not seen the show um, or are kind of unfamiliar with it. Season 1 of Game of Thrones sets up an epic fantasy revolving the nine noble families fight for control over the mythical lands of Mist- uh, of Westeros, while an ancient enemy returns after being dormant for thousands of years. So, this is without a doubt one of the biggest sci-fi fantasy shows that have ever been premiered up to up till now. I was never much of a fantasy sci-fi, you know, mystical realms kind of guy. I was always very realistic. I was never into, you know, any of that type of stuff, you know, m- magic and mysticism and all that stuff. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to like any of this type of uh, storytelling but let me tell you this is a sci-fi fantasy unlike anything else it's got some of the highest production value you've ever, you've ever seen in a television show i mean you constant it constantly feels like you're watching a movie with maybe the exception of a few scenes um, it's it is it is theatrical in a way that it kind of feels uh, a little bit modern day like shakespearean in a way and I could see how that might throw a couple people off. I, I do, I do, I do think the first few episodes are a little bit more theatrical than I than I do remember. But that's not a bad thing. I think that it's just a different. It's a slightly more exaggerated way of acting, and it's not something you'll see in a, a regular procedure, uh, procedural like drama. So. Let's talk about the technicals real quick for anyone that has no idea what Game of Thrones is. The the two people on the podcast that have no idea what Game of Thrones is. Um, so it, it it does revolve around all of these, you know, families. And all of these families are all cre- all fleshed out. The, the thing about Game of Thrones is that there are so many different characters in such a lived-in world. It feels... Um, it feels real. It feels detailed. It feels like there's uh, there's been tons of years of writing that have gone into this. And George R. R. Martin is uh, the primary writer, along with uh, D. B. Weiss and um, Danny uh, Daniel Ben Benioff. Um, <clears throat> these are the individuals responsible for bringing this sci fi fantasy. Um, D- Daniel Ben David Benioff and D. B. Weiss are the television creators and George R. R. Martin is the writer of the Game of Thrones books. As of now, um, as of recording this, George R. R. Martin has not finished the the books. And so the television show is in its eighth season. And around six the sixth to the eighth season, they've gone off script of the books. And so they were always kind of playing flat fast and loose with the books, but generally through the fifth up until the sixth season, they were sticking pretty close to the books. And so a lot of people have mixed feelings on how um, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss have uh, adapted the source material. Personally, I, I I, don't think they could have done much better, in my opinion. I, they took some of the best material that uh, George R.R. R. Martin had, had written ever in his life, and they adapted it almost word for word. On the, the television show, um, in once they got to the parts where Martin had not finished, um, they kind of had to fill in the lines. I mean, they they it does seem like the last few seasons of Game of Thrones have started to go closer to the adaptation, to less on the adaptation and more off script. Um, with saying that, the first season is amazing. Something about the writing, something about the direction something about the acting, it all works on all cylinders. I would say the first season would be categorized as a, as a slow burn. Um, the first few episodes may take a little bit to get into if you haven't watched it before, if you are kind of like, I don't know if I like this. The first episode does an excellent job putting you within the world, but I could see it throwing people off saying, this isn't really my type of television show. I always, I, I say... Watch the first four episodes, and if you're not gripped within the first four episodes, it's probably not the television show for you. It's like if you don't like the political drama, if you don't like uh, the backstabbing, you know, the craziness, um, then it's it's just – and the violence, it's, uh, it's not a show for you if you're not into it. Um, but I think – if you watch the first few episodes, but the first four episodes will really give you a nice grounded feeling of the political dynamics, um, of the television show. And that's what I would focus on. If you are curious about it, watch the first just four episodes. That's what I'd say. Cause the fifth episode is when the, the, the shit hits the fan. And I think it's the fifth episode is one of my favorite episodes, probably of the first few seasons. And, uh, it really goes toward uh, the direction and the writing and the acting. All of it is just firing on all cylinders. Um, so every episode within the first few, um, and, and the first one, two, three, four, five, all of those all end in an amazing fashion. It's like I I, I was having. Uh, flashbacks of how each one of them ended And I was like I remember watching these For the first time And I still kind of I get that feeling of watching it For the first time again Because it's been kind of a while Since I've watched it So I was like wow This is a fascinating television show I remember why I loved it the first time I am seeing some of the problems That people were talking about um, I didn't start listening to podcasts Or um, additional Materials regarding television shows till after I was uh, I had watched the majority of Game of Thrones. So it was around season five or six where I started actually listening to alternate, you know, people like like me um, that like the podcast about television shows. I had just started listening to it and I realized that I guess the cultural zeitgeist had decided that season five was one of the weakest Um, Of the seasons And so with saying that I realized that um, You know You might realize a couple of um, Aspects about television That After you watch it Other people might have different opinions about it Via um, Twitter, via social media Via whatever Um, So yeah There's always bias when it comes into Giving um, opinions About this type of stuff so, uh Game of Thrones season 1 absolutely it's hard not to recommend it. it. It it's it's such a strong television show coming out the gates. Um the the first season is really immaculate and I think Tim Van Patten is the um is the director of the first few episodes and uh George R.R. Martin, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are all the individuals bringing us um let me see bringing us the um, the the great writing um, sorry I got sidetracked on where my episode list is okay so the first episode winter is coming directed by Timothy van Patten um, he is responsible for laying out a lot of what Game of Thrones is uh feel and look is uh, is supposed to you know the atmosphere of it. Um, he's known for being a director on Boardwalk Empire, The Sopranos, The Pacific. Uh, he, he was the director of. He was a, a director in Black Mirror. Um, he he he's got chops, is what I gotta say. Um, I'm trying to find which which thing he directed. Um, in Black Mirror. Oh, Tim Tim Van Patten, the Season 1, Episode 1, 2, and 3 director, I believe, also directed Season 4's Black Mirror's Hang the DJ. That was a great episode. Okay, so, first episode, it comes out firing out the gates. Um, I'm not going to do, like, a quick, uh, do, you know, full scene by scenes, but we really do get uh, a great introduction into... Uh, the world of Game of Thrones in the first episode. So, by now, if you are interested in being spoiled in Game of Thrones, this is the time to um, continue listening. If not, go check out Game of Thrones first couple episodes, then come back on the podcast, and we'll we'll discuss it um, in spoilers, full spoilers. I, I do have uh, a couple of gripes about this television show that I originally thought was once perfect, but that doesn't mean that I didn't, I, you know, didn't love it. Um, let's, uh, go through it and, uh, thank you for listening. If you were about to tune out or you're going to come back to the podcast and, uh, yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's discuss season one game of Thrones in full spoilers by now. I expect you to have watched season one of game of Thrones and that is all we are going to spoil as of right now. Okay, so season one, um, that was an amazing season of television. Um, when I first started the first episode, I was like, I'm going to watch all the episodes all the way to the end of season seven. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, I'll be honest. I do want to kind of go back and watch as many episodes as I can, so, um... That, that that's my only thing is I'm, I can't promise I'm gonna do the, the full 70 hour rewatch um, that's just kind of excessive in my opinion and, and the uh, the new seasons coming out on April 14th, um, 2019. So it, it, it's it's a big endeavor. But let me tell you, the first season was so much fun. I mean, they they give you so much information within the world. You understand where everybody is coming from. You, um, um, you're introduced, you know, to the Starks, to the Targaryens, to the, uh, you know, to the Lannisters. Um, you un- you understand so many people's uh, motivations and why you know why they are important. And the thing about the show is. They make everybody important in this, in my opinion. In my opinion, I think they do. Um, you know, the side characters are important. Everybody they everybody they come in contact is important. is It's a very detailed oriented show that re- rewards an amazing rewatch, even from knowing the information from you know several seasons from now. It's it's amazing just rewatching. Uh, you know, first season scenes like uh you know having um what's his face um uh Littlefinger and uh Lord Varys in the same room is is it's amazing you know um I forgot how much in first season how much these two had in you know influenced the plot and how much Information we find out on one hand, but we really don't understand until we find out, you know, much later how how relevant a lot of the information is. I would say um, almost every line that came out of anyone's mouth was with purpose, and it it served the narrative uh, of the plot. And it, it, there's not much wasted time in this ten hours that we're um, we're in Game of Thrones. Um, let me see if I can pull up season my, um, let me see real quick. Sorry, I'm, I'm not on my regular, uh, I'm usually on my phone with the IMDB, but I got it on my iPad right now. It's kind of hard to hold. So, um, the wolf and the lion, was the episode that I think really encapsulates what this season's going to be. Or what, I mean, what the series is going to be. I think it's one of my favorite episodes. Directed by Brian Kirk. Um, here's the synopsis real quick. Caitlyn has captured Tyrion. Sorry, Caitlyn. Caitlyn has captured Tyrion and plans to bring him to his sister. Lysa Aaron at the Vale. To her sister at the Vale, Lysa Aaron. Um... To be tried for his supposed crimes against Bran. Robert plans to have Daenerys killed, but Eddard refuses to be a part of it and quits. So, with everything that happens, almost, it's like a domino effect. It's because one thing happens to another, another thing's going to happen, and ultimately, it's it turns out to be um, the demise of Eddard Stark. And it, it it's crazy to uh, to go back and uh, rewatch all the little things that happen to the Starks that lead to their demise. It was like, um, oh, I mean, every time you watch it, you're like, oh, don't don't say that, don't do don't don't put the pen down, don't do that. You want to go over here? You're like, damn it! And he does everything wrong. He does like, you know, he's he's taking up for his wife, which you you know most probably most people would. I mean, um, but, but with doing that, he's taking responsibility for something that she probably shouldn't have done, and he's gonna get the the bun of the blunt or the the blow for it, and it's uh it leads to the beginning of the demise of the Starks, and I think it's around the fifth or sixth episode where you I, I think it's that is the the fight with Jamie and um. Jamie and Ned, which we only get one really good fight, um, you realize that the good guys aren't looking so hot at the end of this, uh, close to the end of the season. I mean, I think it was around the time that Eddard loses his head that I was like, "What kind of fucking show am I lo- uh, am I watching now?" And I, that's uh, episode nine. Um, I I was like. This is a show that I'm not used to when we're losing some of the best characters that, um, you know, we be, we become attached to. So, I was just like, God dang, you know? What kind of show takes off, you know, some of the best, you know, the protagonists of the television show? It just it, it blew my mind. So, when we lost Edward Stark, when we lost the King, when there's... So many times we're looking back through the whole season where it's like, I can't believe everyone in this room is dead. It's like it'll be a scene with Eddard and uh, the king and um, uh, Cersei. And all I can think is, um, you know, Cersei is going to be the last one standing in this room after all this is said and done. And so, yeah, it's, it's crazy the dynamics and, uh, of how things, uh, cripple throughout the show, um, and deteriorate through the government upheaval and craziness. Um, but yeah, starting episode five, I think episode five is where things get absolutely insane. Episode six, um... A golden crown while recovering from his battle with Jamie. Eddard is forced to run the kingdom while Robert goes hunting. Tyrion demands a trial by combat for his freedom. Viserys is losing his patience with Drogo. Um, I didn't get to talk too much about um, the Targaryens and uh, Viserys and. Uh, what's her name? Amelia um, Clark as uh, Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, we can start going into a little bit more detail on the individuals. Um, so. Amelia Clark is uh, Daenerys Targaryen. She does not get enough um presence as an individual as a female um individual until maybe the f- about the 6th to 7th episode. She is she's basically sold into sl- as a slave to um Khal Drogo and um where the fuck is that guy's name? Jason, Jason Momoa. I don't know why I can't remember Jason Momoa's name. Um, But yeah, so um, Jason Momoa is straight up. He, he's, he rapes Daenerys for the first few episodes and she goes into somewhat of a Stockholm syndrome and she starts to fall in love with him. It is an icky situation and it's obviously fucking wrong and... What bothers me about this is that Cal Drogo is um, looked at as kind of an okay dude by the end of this. And everyone's like, oh, he was really cool. Fuck, no, he wasn't. He was an asshole and a rapist. And um, given the first episode, we see how bad he really was. Um, Let me see. Okay, so, um, yeah, we, we, we do see how bad he really was. And, uh, the first episode shows the dynamic between Jason Momoa's character, uh, what's it called, uh, Khal Drogo and Daenerys Targaryen. Evidently in the books, it wasn't depicted that she was not, that it wasn't, that it was not consensual sex during, um, the consummation of the marriage. In the show, it was very clear that she was uncomfortable, um. People have mixed feelings about that. Personally, I don't really know what you want, what what you should have shown on television. It was obviously, she, she was obviously in distress. Um, the thing is, she ends up falling in love with this guy, and that's where the problem comes lies, I, I, like, we've, we have seen this type of stuff on television before, but it's, the problem comes back is, how is that person viewed later, and personally, I think he's reviewed, he's viewed in too heroic of a light, and she, she falls for him too much for it to be, a, a you know, an okay relationship, and obviously this is just strictly opinion, um, but, let me see if I can uh, I need to plug up this phone real quick. Don't want to lose the power. So, um, yeah, I just thought the the dynamic between Khal Drogo and um, Daenerys is slightly problematic in many fashions, but he doesn't stick around long enough for it to really matter. Now, his interpretation of Khal Drogo, spot-fucking-on. Him and Daenerys do look like they uh, have some... Some decent chemistry once once it starts to once it starts to develop, but he's a fucking asshole and he's a terrible person also. Um, Daenerys, Amelia uh, Clark as a character, I didn't think her acting was that um, was that great until maybe the sixth or seventh episode. I think that she she suffers from um, just being uncomfortable as in the character, and the writing does not help her any, any more either, and it's not until she starts to have some agency that, um, I really see that she can act, um, and I guess that takes the death of, uh, Cal Drogo. Um, Sansa Stark, um, Sophie Turner, we... It's it's crazy seeing Sophie Turner now. All, all these all these people are so much older. Uh, you know, Sophie Turner, Sophie Turner, Maisie Williams, and uh, you know, um, all the Starks were so young when they started um, when they started filming this that it it's it, it is cool to see you know them um, see them grow. So um, let's start from the top. Eddard Stark, Sean Bean, we. I think just about every solid television show, solid movie, has the old wise one. And Ed, Eddard Stark is the old wise one in this one. Sean Bean. Excellent actor. Super spot on portrayal. Couldn't ask for a better actor. Um, let me see. Let's go to his wife. Um... Why don't I have Catelyn Stark? Michelle Fairley as um Catelyn Stark. Ka- Michelle Fairley, she was in the Heart of the Sea, and she was also she's Miss Granger in um, Harry Potter. Oh, she must be the um the mother of Harry, uh, Hermione's um. She might be Hermione's mother in Harry Potter. So that's where we might have seen her before. Um, but she's an actress, and she's been in tons of things. I'm, I'm trying to find some that y'all might know. Um, Deathly Hallows, part one. Um, that's about all I can find. It looks like probably some British television shows that a lot of them I'm unfamiliar with. Um, but yeah, she was also in, in The Heart of in the Heart of the Sea, and uh, also Game of Thrones. So, um, Michelle Fairley, she does a phenomenal job as uh, Catelyn Stark, and she's just constantly having to portray uh, a, a mother in distress, a wife in distress, you know? Uh, it 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 looks fucking stressful, and she does an amazing job with it. Um, not much to say um, past that. I think the writing probably does her pretty well. Rewatching it, you understand that her dynamic with her and um, her, her children. And that she doesn't always portray... She does not look at all of her children in a fair light. Um, let's see who we have else. Such a big list of... Such a large cast. Um... Richard Madden as Rob Stark. Richard Madden's currently in the television show uh, The Bodyguard, and uh, he's also been in other movies such as uh, The Take, Cinderella, um, Medici, and uh, a couple other television shows that don't have exactly in front of me, but Rob Stark... Excellent character. I love the portrayal that Richard Madden gives as the eldest uh, Stark child, and I I can't say too much bad about him. Um, they don't. They the writing really serves him really well. Just as a character that develops, um, you know, he portrays being a young, you know, a young individual, a young and up and coming leader. Well. And I love to see how his progression um, unfolds into the next season. Um, let's see anything else. Rob Stark, Sansa Stark. I think we talked about her. Sophie Turner. She's a major movie movie star now. Um, yeah, I I enjoy Sansa Stark as. Uh, as the character she is, I mean, she's annoying as hell. She's like, oh, you know, oh, mom, I want to be the queen. I want to do this. I want to do that. She just has the intentions of a young, uh, a young teenager, and to see her develop into the next season and or or seasons, depending on how far she goes. We don't know how far anyone's going to make it. It's Game of Thrones, um, so I, I have enjoyed this watching her progress. Um, Maisie Williams, probably one of my favorite Starks besides um, John. Maisie Williams, she just got spunk. And right off the top, Maisie Williams is an amazing actress. She is uh, she's probably always going to be an amazing actress if she started all, out this young. Um, she just is comfortable in the position of uh, I, Arya Stark. Um, I haven't seen her anything else, so she may just be kind of playing a version of herself. Which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. Um, Jesus, this is a wide, wide list of fucking characters. Um, Robert Baratheon, let's go ahead and do that. Mark, uh, Mark Addy plays Robert Baratheon. And, uh, I, hell, I, I love the portrayal, uh, Mark Addy brings as Robert Baratheon. He brings in this gravitizing, boom, <laughs> Ned Stark, come over here. You know, he's, he's fucking gruff, gruff and grumbly and stuff like that. It's, uh, he sounds like he's a legitimate king. And, to, I mean, looking at his photo, you're like, I don't know about this guy. But slap a crown on him, give him a beer, and, uh, you know, send him off on his way. And he sounds like he's legit. Um, I would say, let me see, um... Mark Addy has most recently been in Robin Hood, A Knight's Tale, The Full Monty. Um, I, I'm guessing he's prob. These are mostly English uh, movies and television shows. Um, he's excellent. We don't get enough of him, probably, in my opinion. But uh, his portrayal as Robert Baratheon is excellent. And the writing that serves between Robert Baratheon and Lena Headley's character, Cersei Lannister, you don't really... Understand the underlying um, causes beneath uh, Robert Baratheon and Cersei Lannister's relationship and their their marriage, um, but there is some serious wordage that happens in the I don't know I think it's it's fifth sixth or seventh episode before he falls ill that really determines where the series is going to fall, and what's, you know, what's to come, and they even, they say, you know, what is keeping the seven kingdoms at bay, and basically, it's, um, her saying that, um, her saying that, you know, it's our marriage, it's our marriage that keeps the seven kingdoms together, and if anything were to happen to the marriage, might be (laughs) fucked, um, so, you know, quote-unquote, stay tuned for that, um, so knowing what happens at the end of the season, Baratheon does, Robert Baratheon does not come out of this alive, you know? Um, so, and what's really interesting is going back and rewatching Robert Baratheon, um, Robert and Eddard talk about a war coming or wh- they don't know where it's coming or who's going to be in it but it's coming and it's crazy because it's like neither one of you motherfuckers are going to be in this shit. So it's like, uh, we're y'all all fucked. Um, so, uh, Lena Headley probably deserves all of the awards for being Cersei Lannister. She is spot on. She is amazing in this. Um, I might throw some stuff in the show notes to say what, Awards they might have won. I'm not. I'm. I am not i am have not decided yet uh, if I have the time. But um, I would be curious to see what season one at, of uh, Game of Thrones won in uh, the Emmys. So um, Ian Glenn plays Jorah Mormont. Um, didn't really talk too much about Ian Glen. Um, he just. He kind of plays a guy that gives a lot of exposition. I mean, it's hard not to be a character that's full of exposition, but I think what this show does really well is it gives all of these characters backstory, but it also tons of exposition woven into it that doesn't feel like they're just giving tons of information. But Ian Glenn as Jorah Mormont is one of those characters that is kind of feeding information to the uh, the, uh, Daenerys Targaryen's character, and us as the viewer, um, Harry Lloyd plays Viserys Targaryen, um, this guy's a fucking shit, I, I, don't really remember him from too much, I think he is, um, a British actor, um, he's been in the Theory of Everything, the Iron Lady, Jane Eyre, and Othropod, um, let's see, ooh, um, he was in Legion, apparently. I did not see him in Legion. Maybe he's in the next season of Legion. Um, so let's see. Let's see who else do we got that we have probably missed. Alfie Allen is uh Theon Greyjoy. Um He's definitely got an interesting arc in this um television show. I was not expecting him to have his um, as many scenes as he did, but we do get kind of, uh, you know, some backstory on what happens, you know, how Theon Greyjoy is woven with the Starks. But I'd say the first season does not give him tons of backstory. Um, but it does give him some, um, it gives him some lines that say that he's not exactly a Stark Rewatching this um this show, I would say sorry I got stuff coming up all this shit. Um, Rewatching this show is so much fun because it feels like it's almost like Easter egg the 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 movie. You know, there's like oh I remember who they're talking about. Oh I know what they're talking about because there's so many times in the first season where two people will be talking about somebody or something. And the viewer will be like, I don't know who the fuck they're talking about. If it was your first time uh, watching the show, you're like, I don't know who the fuck they're talking about. You know, Are they important? I don't know. But once you watch the first season after you've seen seven seasons of Game of Thrones, it's like watching a completely new television show. Um, it's it's you, you hear and see and you listen and there's just tons of these Easter eggs that you finally understand what they're talking about. It, it's, uh, it doesn't sound like they're just running around the bin. So, um, yeah, first season of Game of Thrones is amazing. The look, the feel, the, the taste, it's all amazing. I would say that they show about three times as many women naked as they do men, although I don't... I, didn't remember that they had showed, uh, uh, one or two male full frontal nudity. I think it was Alfie Allen, which is, um, which is not bad, you know? Like, uh, I, I'm for both sexes being represented equally on screen, and I don't think that just having tons of, uh, women is necessary, you know? Um, so I... I guess I was a little bit more surprised to see Alfie Allen out there sporting it. But uh, regardless if it was real or not, there's just tons of times that women are just, you know, abused in this show. And there's tons of times they're, they, are, um, they aren't they are getting the same representation that, you know, that are happening to men. So, um, yeah, I was really surprised by the first season. Um, we also get a little bit of, um, I don't think I talked about it, Finn Jones as Loris Tyrell. Um re-watching the series you understand the importance of what's going on but the first time you're like what the fuck um I don't I don't really get it so um I was like okay so we, we understand uh the relevance of who he is at you know re-watching it um Grandmaster Picel oh my gosh him acting a fool doing you know talking to the whores or to the to the prostitutes or whatever you call them The the proper name that you call them, and uh, yeah, and we see them stretching and stuff. We, We we get tons of amazing scenes that give us so much more information than we would even realize the first time that we're watching it. Um, and it's it's storytelling and narrative weaving that is done on no other level. Um, yeah, I, I love the first season of Game of Thrones and it's, it's amazing to be rewatched, you know, uh, after, especially watching it after, you know, several seasons and understanding it so much better. And you see just characters in the background that you didn't think that you were going to be relevant, um, throughout, you know, some of the show. Um, but yeah, we, we, it's an amazing, um, first season. I'm trying to think if I, um. Sirio Farrell, another amazing character that I don't think I talked about pretty much at all. Um, he's just like a a, a a gem in the rough. Like This actor, I think, brought a lot of charisma to a show that was um, kind of dark and a show that desperately needs someone like that on it. And I think that Cyril Farrell, played by Miltos Urolimero, Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry about that, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's excellent, and uh, I just wish that we uh, could get a little bit more. Apparently, he's in ga- uh, he's in Star Wars, and the Danish girl, and Murder on the Oriental Express. So, if you want to see more Serial Pharrell, um, check him out there. Or Miltos, Yurulamu. You can check him out there. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So... Anyone else? This is such a big fucking list of characters that I just... I feel like if I turn off the podcast, I'm going, oh, wait, one more character, one more character. Peter Dinklage is Tyrion Lannister. I think that just goes without, you know, saying that it was... He's an amazing actor. Um, From the first, you know, few scenes, you realize that he's one of the the best things about this television show. And uh, I, I, I think you... At first, they try to make him kind of an asshole, but I mean, almost by the third or fourth episode, you know, he's going to be uh, one of your favorite characters. Um, Tyrion Lannister is just, a, and and it. I think it does such a great job at explaining about where he comes from and why he uses his "quote unquote" handicap as a shield, and he teaches Jon Snow that you know don't. Use, you know, just because they call you a bastard doesn't mean it's, it's the end all be all, you know, use it, use it as, you know, um, you know, as a shield. And, and I think that it, he has so much information that there's not enough scenes with him that you can possibly get all the information out. And, and he's funny too. So he's, he's a pleasure to be around. Um, you also get a little bit of Jerome Flynn as Braun. um. What an amazing character. Just, uh... Bronn and Peter Dinklage both have this, um... Uh... Rapport that starts off with, uh... I think they're going to see, uh... Catelyn Stark's sister. And she said something like... I think... Peter Dinklage says something... Or... Tyrion says something like... They can't be pregnant or something like that. And, uh... Sorry. And, uh... Braun says something like, you know, give me 10 good men and a couple of spikes and I'll impregnate the bitch. And it's like, what the hell? Um, <laughs> he's, and, uh, and then it cuts to a wide shot and, uh, Tyrion's like, I think I like you. <laughs> and, he, and, and that's like the, the, the kickoff of the tyrion Braun um, show. And I, I... I don't remember it being that funny, and I guess rewatching it, I have just like a lot more respect for it. Um, let's see anyone else that we need to cover. Uh, um, Mord, that was hilarious. There's a hilarious little scene where Mord, the uh, <laughs> the guy that was holding Peter Dinklage in the the holding cell in Lisa Aaron's uh, prison. Um, They, Peter Dinkler. Tyrion's like Mord, open the door. And Mord is, uh, he's clearly got something wrong. But he comes out and he's like, "What do you want, little man, or half man, or whatever the hell he calls him?" And it's (laughs) fucked up on both ends. And he's, he's like, "I got gold, Mord." And he's like, "You got gold?" And Mord's like you know, grabbing him, trying to feel for the gold. He's like, no gold! He slaps and he's like, whoosh! <laughs> and uh, I just, I, I don't remember all of this, you know, craziness and hilariousness in the first season. So it's just little uh, uh, bits of comedy and, uh, you know, comedic relief in, you know, these seasons, in this first season that I think rounded out a little bit better than probably most of them. Um, I d- I know some of the seasons coming up are starting to be a lot more uh, become a lot darker and uh, you know depressing. Honestly, uh, let's see if we have anyone else that we want to cover. Um, Roz gets a lot of the Roz the prostitute gets a lot of screen time. I don't remember her getting that much screen time. I mean, she probably gets uh fifteen to twenty minutes. St- in the first season, and she's not even a main character, um, yeah, I was, you know, wasn't, was not expecting that, um, I guess we do get Lancel in the first season, I don't remember that, um, I think we've pretty much, uh, covered the majority of it, uh, I didn't really talk about too much of, uh, Well, I think I think that's about it. I think we've covered the first season about as well as we're going to without going into serious fucking detail. I have not watched the first um what's it called? Not watched it. I have not um I have not read the books, but I have listened to tons of podcasts about the books and um, you know, the relevance of this that and the other. So if I miss anything, if I've fucked it up, obviously check the show notes. Check out LuckyDogPodcast at gmail.com for any questions, comments, concerns. Feedback, all that, check that there. Um, I don't. I talked about Jamie Lannister, right? I mean, I, I thought he was a fucking cock in the first, first season, but, I mean, we see how he develops. Um, let's see. Anything else? Um, Ned Stark goes out. Goes out in the same way that he he's pretty much introduced to us, um, with a you know, a chop to the head. Um, there does seem to be a lot of symmetry in how people are passing away. Um, you know, there's you know, Ned Stark's opened, opened up with you know, getting chopping someone's head off, and so he's gonna have his last scene with his head chopped off, so it just kind of has like this symmetry to it. Um, also the White Walkers are shown in the very first season Very first uh, Scene of the season And they're pretty much never talked about Throughout I mean, They're talked about here and there But they're just dismissed um, As this entity Through the whole first season And if you chopped that first 10 minutes of the first season off You wouldn't have White Walkers It would be a completely different show um, So It'd be sort of a completely different show. But having that little, you know, crumb at the beginning of these White Walkers does leave us with this mystical feel. So um, I appreciate you listening to first season reactions. Um, I can't promise I'm going to be able to watch all seasons before we get to, um, you know, the... Uh, eighth season that's coming up but i did want to get my initial impressions out and let you guys know what i was thinking about it um thank you for listening to Lucky dog podcast check us out check all the check the library out um for anything else we have tons of other podcasts coming out um we've already reviewed the uh, the majority of the oscar nominees we um We checked out Green Book. We checked out Mid 90s. We checked out The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. We have Won't You Be My Neighbor available via HBO. Um, A Star is Born. How to Train Your Dragon, the first one. Doom Patrol available on DC Network. Uh, Minding the Gap, an amazing HBO, amazing Hulu documentary. Sorry, not HBO. Russian doll on Netflix, blind spotting, abducted in plain sight on Netflix. We have tons of other podcasts coming down the line. Please check those out. Luck Dog Podcast. Thank you for listening and taking. We've come to a dangerous place. I was trained to kill my enemies. As was I. Everybody knew what this place was. No one told me. <laughs> well, Lord Snow, it appears you're the least useless person you Perhaps I was wrong to distrust you. Distrusting me was the wisest thing you've done since you climbed off your horse. Getting you think it's honour that's keeping the peace? It's fear! Fear and blood!